KFCF in Fresno. Stay tuned for Cover to Cover. Have a great day. 59 years ago, Lewis Hill had a novel idea. That listeners would support truly independent media, and the phones haven't stopped ringing since. Come answer phones during the Spring Fun Drive from now until May 22nd. You can fulfill your volunteer membership and get discounts on great KPFA-produced premiums. Like CDs, DVDs, and KPFA t-shirts. And if members of your community group, labor union, or nonprofit volunteer together, your organization will be thanked on the air. So just stop by the station anytime between 6.30 a.m. and 10 p.m. until May 22nd. So stop by KPFA at 1929 Martin Luther King Jr. Way, near the corner of University Avenue in Berkeley, or you can call to reserve your seat at 510-848-6767, extension 618. Thank you for supporting KPFA Radio. And as we approach 301, you are listening to KPFA, KPFB, Berkeley, KFCF, Fresno, online at kpfa.org. Now time for Stone's Throw on Cover to Cover with Jennifer Stone. Please stay tuned. Jim, I'm sorry. Our mic, little mic light wasn't working. The light was not lighting. Yes. <laughs> Lights out, folks. The lights are out all over the world. Oh, boy. I'm telling you, things could be worse. Uh, I don't see how. There it is. There I am. Now I hear me. It is so much fun. I am so used to my old studio. And I get in a new one, and it's like a... It's like my poor old cat. If I move the furniture, she runs into things. Never mind. This is Jennifer Stone, and uh, today, as you may have noticed, is May the 6th, 2008. Yes, what a fate. What a fate we have. Well, let's see, fate late. Uh, what I tried to do last night was think of something that would persuade all of you to join KPFA, and then I remembered that... Dear Amelia Gonzalez had told me that I didn't have to pitch today. I feel extremely guilty, but not guilty enough. <laughs> you know, it's very sad. Very sad. Some of us uh, are just bone lazy. I was so grateful to Philip for doing the pitching before I came on. Uh, folks, you know what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to... Uh, Call KPFA and become members and subscribe to this station and keep uh, hope alive. And actually, uh, you know, it isn't just for the premiums. It's mostly um, just for us, for um, this station. Uh, you got to get it up for KPFA. Uh, they have plenty of premiums in the phone room. There's a list. I just like more T-shirts. Uh, I just wanted to say one little thing. 
this year, um, I may have failed to answer your letter or uh, uh, let something slip. <laughs> Some of us aren't in the pink, yes. Now, if I did that or if I actually said something on these airwaves that you think is idiotic, that wouldn't be uh, anything strange. <laughs> it certainly wouldn't be the first time. Try to forgive me on principle. Even old women must be allowed to rant. Yes, these barricades broads trying to do their thing. KBFA has given me 25 years of, uh, I suppose, learning, studying, uh, doing stuff. I always say that I have a, a, a PhD in KPFA. God knows uh, if I haven't learned what the world is all about after 25 years around here. Uh, I don't suppose I ever will. I do want to begin today with a poem by Rachel Corey. I'm going to try to begin every show with a poem. We seem to be forgetting, or I seem to be forgetting, all the yin things, the public affairs, the uh, overwhelming tragedies of each day just uh, knock us down to our knees and we forget that uh, that aesthetics is what uh, it's all about. Aesthetics is the mother of ethics, as Eric Bowersfeld used to say. <laughs> yes, you got to tenderize people before they can uh, become progressives. Uh, there's a book out called Let Me Stand Alone. It's the journals of Rachel Corey, and I'm sure you've heard Bob Baldock talking about the event where ten young women read from her journals. Uh, I'm one of those who was stunned when I realized uh, that she's a writer. I mean, I, I knew she was a, a martyr and a saint and that she had died when she was hit by a bulldozer in Gaza. Ah, oh, ha, ha, so young, only 20. Two or three, I'm not sure. Anyway, Let Me Stand Alone is an incredible book. I hope it finds its way to the schools. Rachel wrote back uh, in the period 1995 to 1997. She wrote this poem, If I Die Today. Silence the birds, if I die today. Let them only stare from the brass bars of their cages and watch as my mother weeps. Cover the flat faces of clocks with black cloth and silence the alarms. Hush the dirt water of the creek by whispering to it. She is dead. She is dead. If I die today, you must burn the papers under my bed. Burn them to charred leaves of ash. Silence my dead voice so it will not embarrass my memory. If I die today, you must drink milk from the carton wantonly. You must shriek and scream in the shopping mall in front of all those blind dead ghosts and the placid contemptuous mannequins and the mall gods who watch over everything in their great body underworld. 
You must make a great loud racket, such a loud fuss to silence the birds and the sky and the rain. You must be so crazy and free if I die today. You must go to those cold-faced mannequins and take off their tiny shoes. Find out if mannequins have toes. And if they do, and I imagine they have blunt, tawny nails on them, you must find out what plastic mannequin flesh tastes like. You must kiss their shoes, suck on them with your clumsy tongue, and you must do this right there in front of the undead shoppers and the ladies behind the perfume counter. You must cry out and tell everyone, she is dead, she is dead. And do what I imagined. You must walk through the grocery store and take juicy bites out of apples and then put them back. You must kiss people you hardly know with passion so that they stumble dizzily for a moment. Silence the birds if I die today. Silence the alarms. Hush the dirt water of the creek by whispering to it, She is dead. She is dead. That's Rachel Corey's poem from her journals, Let Me Stand Alone. Uh, I've been reading at this book now for a month, and uh, I find it to be the real thing. Rich Loam. Alan Rickman put together a play in London at the Court Theatre uh, called My Name is Rachel Corey. You remember Alan Rickman, famous British actor. And uh, there's a wonderful, I have a copy of it here, a wonderful picture of Rachel as a child. Uh, And he's one of those who has noticed that she's uh, a special, special thinker. He writes, a born writer like jumping inside someone's soul, her relentless, undiluted humanity is inspiring and profoundly moving. (laughs) And she makes you laugh. Now, uh, I'm sure that there are premiums that deal with Rachel's work. Uh, She was, of course, killed by that American-made bulldozer in Gaza at the age of 23. And she was not just a crazy poet or girl martyr or saint or holy fool, yes. She is a wordsmith and a practical idealist. I love the sections where she writes about having to quit smoking and drinking. Never think of it. Twenty-three, my God. It took me another twenty years. That's a sad commentary on our times. Yes, time, time. The torment of time. Time passing, time past. How to find a place in time in history. This week, there's the the rough draft, another catastrophe, 22,000. The rerun, so many of them. Same old, same old, still the shock, the shock of yet another bloodbath. Oh, and made worse by the human indifference and error. And Laura Bush made an effort. Ah, I love it, Laura Bush. Came to the party, good, good old Laura Bush. (laughs) I think, oh dear, 
I think the woman's depressed. She got out of bed and spoke up for Burma. The mother of our nation, Laura Bush, on Mother's Day this next Sunday, I'll think of her. She was uh, not always a first responder, at least not in the past. Uh, I wish she'd find a way to take the $16 billion that Americans are going to spend on their mothers on candy and flowers and dinner at the mall and then just, you know, send it off to Burma or send it to Save the Children or the UN. Uh, when, 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 when are we going to get ourselves a rescue operation, a kind of international green cross? Doesn't have to be a cross, any symbol that, that's suitable. Just some kind of flag or banner to proclaim a global rescue base. Uh, what is that? Uh, Central, yes, central number. God knows we needed one of those when Katrina hit our government. <laughs> Washington today is not interested in these problems, the problems of the victims of disasters. I remember years ago, dear old Cory Aquino, uh, during the, well, at the time of the revolution in the Philippines when the Marcos folks were kicked out and Cory Aquino tried to put things back together she said she said there are infinite number of ways to run a government but there is only one way to treat people of course she wasn't able to follow through all the way um, perhaps she tried this administration our administration has a uh, completely adversarial attitude toward those in need. <laughs> very, very old school, you know, let them eat cake. The rabble, the rabble in New Orleans. Such a good opportunity to clean up the slums, you know, make a clean sweep and gentrify. The fact is that the folks in our country down in Louisiana down there where the hurricane hit. Well, they're worse off than uh, ever before. With the, the third world stuff that's happening down there is enough to uh, make me feel that America is, what is it? Uh, part, of, yes, part of the global, the glo <laughs> global disaster scene, yes. I hope you had a chance to listen to Katie Faye earlier today. Uh, because there was much that was inspiring, much to give us courage in these dreadful times. Uh, I think, I think that Laura Bush is an astonishing, astonishing creature. I looked at her again the other day and I thought of Eleanor Roosevelt. I thought of the, uh, the role of the caretakers in society. I thought of all the broken social contracts and, oh dear, all the aches and pains of the 21st century. Somebody, somebody out there, maybe Helen Caldecott said, we have come to the end of living and the beginning of surviving. It just about covers it for people like me, uh, Anybody noticed how the world is beginning to look like scenes from Blade Runner? 
We survivors. Yes, we're either ashamed or we get cynical. I think, uh, yes, cynicism comes when you're tired of being ashamed. The survivors I know range from the sociopathic to the suicidal. I'm not sure I heard right, but it seems to me that this morning I heard Amy Goodman reporting that there is an epidemic of uh, suicides among the veterans, those who were sent to the debacles in Iraq and Afghanistan. I think she gave a figure of 120 a week. Uh, that must be attempts. Uh, that's more than the number killed in combat. The 22,000 lost in Burma these past few days, uh, I counted and I thought, you know, the stats, the numbers. Does it matter? Uh, does it matter that that seven nine last Saturday, right, um, more than seven, uh, it will be followed, of course, by thousands more human beings suffering and dying in the aftermath of those cyclones. These continuing, ongoing, so-called natural disasters, acts of God, are, what is it, they're wrenching, but they make it all the more heartbreaking to see so many deliberate uh, Wars, cruelties, and disasters blazing, uh, hot spots going into flames. I, I have a little friend, she's 13 the other day, and she said, I said what, uh, what cruelty it was for the, uh, people in Burma to suffer so, and she, she was talking about another issue, and she called the other issue, uh, the war, she said. Those people, though, she said, they're doing it on purpose. <laughs> I guess earthquakes and cyclones and hurricanes are not done on purpose, unless unless God is really making uh, making it hot for us. The famines terrify me for some reason, maybe because I'm Irish, uh, four horsemen of the apocalypse riding across the world, a uh, little bowl of rice costs more than... Some people can pay. I always dream of the hooves, the hooves of those apocalyptic horsemen. They kick me in the head most mornings. <laughs> I feel like an old Shakespearean queen, old uh, Queen Margaret in one of those Shakespeare history plays. Old Queen Margaret stumbles around. She calls out, let me die to look on death no more. I thought about it that way. Yes, it's one way of avoiding your problems. Just get off the earth. And those of us who are old uh, have a lot of trouble uh, looking at the carnage. Most of the old people I know try valiantly to be cheerful and optimistic. A bit of a bore, I think. Uh, my pity is matched by my dread of what's next. Uh, Whose children will be next? How do you hold up your head when your country is part of the problem? I suppose we light another candle and write another letter to the times, water the plants, remember the ultimate ambiguity of all human endeavor. Oh, for Christ's sake. 
Philosophy is a flop. Damn human race, as Mark Twain wrote. The human race has a lethal moral sense. I couldn't help it. Last night I started reading Mark Twain again. He has the most wonderful book, The Angry Book of Mark Twain. Possibly our greatest American writer next to Gertrude Stein. Letters from the Earth. That's his uncensored writings. I was thinking the other day that uh, everything he wrote is completely contemporary. It's something that wasn't published in his lifetime, most of it. Uh, I used to try to read these letters on KPFA, especially the ones written from the earth to heaven by the devil. <laughs> Beelzebub, Mephistopheles. The devil visits mankind and he sends back these interesting reports to the other archangels, you know, Michael, Gabriel. Uh, Lucifer was a fallen angel himself, and uh, he was especially interested in the irony, the irony of men's choices, the incredible contradictions, you know. The only thing, yes, as he points out, the only thing we have, uh, the only thing we possess that is glorious beyond imagination is sex, and of course it's the one thing Christians uh, forbid, yes, right off the bat. Uh, Twain wrote that human history in all ages is red with blood, bitter with hate, and stained with cruelties. And he goes on to talk about the limits, uh, some of the limits even in biblical times, and then he goes on to point out that in his time... In his time, there is no limit. Oh, yes, he said, even the Lord God is now totally without mercy. He who is called a fountain of mercy. He slays, slays, slays. All the men, all the boys, all the beasts, all the babies, also all the women and all the girls, except those that have not been deflowered. He makes no distinction between innocent and guilty. The babies are innocent, the beasts were innocent, many of the men, many of the women, many of the boys, many of the girls were innocent. Yet they had to suffer with the guilty. What the insane father required was blood and misery. He was indifferent as to who furnished it. The heaviest punishment of all was meted out to persons who could not by any possibility have deserved so horrible a fate, the 32,000 virgins. <laughs> oh, dear. The next section, I hate to tell you this, but I can't read this on KPFA. Uh, my goodness. Uh, he goes on in great detail. It may be that um, he was aware... He was aware he was, well, he's writing about the slavery of prostitution and uh, the coarse and filthy practices of slavers uh, and the infliction of undeserved and ferocious punishment. And obviously, I, I suppose he might have known about female genital mutilation. Um, he talks about women as spoils, plunder, booty, uh, and the priests, and on and on and on and on. I wish we were permitted 
to read these things, but it's probably a bad idea. Uh, <laughs> probably better, probably better to try to look on the bright side. Uh, I think most of us uh, are still struggling, you know, just to keep keep the day, keep the day in front of us, carpe diem. Oh, once upon a time, I tried to believe that uh, a day would come, a new day when most human beings would be able to live reasonably in human comfort, you know. Each would have what anyone needs. Uh, why not? It would be so simple. Uh, wouldn't even cost that much. Even economists tell us there's enough. It's just that without justice, nobody shares, yes. To educate each new generation for sharing and cooperating, you know. My God, that would require civilization, you know, that little book about everything I know I learned in kindergarten. No hitting, no first strike. Don't do the wrong thing the first time. Uh-huh. Talk, talk, talk endlessly. Democracy takes up all your weeknights. <laughs> Those who find themselves in today's world, uh, they see private affluence existing right next to public squalor. Some of them are tempted to react, to, uh, to get very angry and use the methods uh, that were used against them. It's always a joke, I think, <laughs> to attack the rich. Imagine, I don't think they suffer much when they are attacked or when their stuff is stolen. They're insured. Of course, it's now the fashion to steal their children, you know. No, steal their kidneys or, you know, steal them. Rugged individualism, what I would call individualistic terrorism, is definitely on the rise. Uh bit of that out in Richmond? What was it? Somebody was trying to steal. I'm not sure. I haven't got the facts straight, so I shouldn't say. But uh, there was a toxic spill out there because some thieves were trying to take some stuff out of the uh, uh, oil tankers out there. Anyway, um, wild times, folks. Cowboys everywhere. The Middle East as lawless as the Old West. <laughs> Brigands we've got. Pirates. Mercenaries, macho choices. Anyway, if I had any chutzpah, I'd go to the UN or the Pentagon and wrap myself in a blue flag of peace and howl, just howl like a chorus in an ancient Greek tragedy. Give voice to my anguish. At least try to act out a little bit, make theater, express the outrage of half a century. More than half a century. <laughs> Oh, I wrote a long piece last night about consciousness raising, about how it's taken me 74 years, you know, from the first time I saw films of the death camps until now, to decide that I am become a misanthrope. I remember those pictures of Hiroshima and Nagasaki when I was only, was it 12, 13 my mother kept saying to me, why that second bomb? Wasn't Hiroshima enough? Wasn't there a limit? 
Mass extinction is now on the table, up for grabs. That's a card someone may want to play. And I have come to the end of my my hour before I had a chance to tell you some serious things. I'll have to save them for next Tuesday. And we're going to get around, yes, we're going to get around to the artists in our time. By golly, we are. We're going to get around to the Gertrude Steins and the Mark Twains, the artists who tried to speak, who tried to tell us what hit us. This has been Jennifer Stone. Be back on the air again next Tuesday at 3. Till then, go easy. And if you can't go easy, go as easy as you can. A moment with KPFA's Michael the Wet Guy with six and a half reasons to pledge online. Reason number three, it's secure. A lot of folks still have reservations about using their credit cards online to make purchases. It's understandable, but when I say it's safe to pledge your support at kpfa.org, you can feel secure that your personal information is not being shared or compromised. Without getting too technical, all information is encrypted to ensure the integrity of your transaction. So if you thought about going to kpfa.org to make a pledge, but were worried about cyber pirates, rest assured we have done our best to give you peace of mind when you show your support for listener-sponsored free speech radio at kpfa.org. I'm Michael the Web Guy. This is Free Speech Radio News for Tuesday.